following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Hi, my name's Joe Corey. I worked at the Video Plaza on Kildare Farms Road in Cary, North Carolina, next to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I lasted there somewhere between 1993 and 1994. Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. This is Brian. I am here to talk about my memories of uh, working at a place called Hollywood Video in a suburb of the Boston area from about 1998 to 2000. Hey, this is Matthew Corey. I worked at the Video Bar in Cary, North Carolina back in uh, the summer of 1993 and 94. Hi, my name is Mark DeWitt from Holland, Michigan. I was a operator for 10 Blockbuster stores from 1989 to 1992. My name is Colin Fitzpatrick. I worked at the Mission Viejo, California location of Blockbuster Video in 2003. My name is W. Axel Foley, also known as Bill or Billy Foley, and I worked at the greatest video store ever in existence, World of Video at 51 Greenwich Avenue in Manhattan from 2001 until 2007. Hey, this is William Lanham, and uh, I worked at Blockbuster from 2005 to 2009 in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, I'm Bob O'Rourke. I worked at Premier Video in Clinton, New Jersey and Princeton, New Jersey from 2000 to 2007. I'm Brandon Myers and I worked at Blockbuster Video in Millington, Tennessee from February 2001 to the end of 2002. My name is Alan Smith. I'm in Madison, Tennessee and I worked for Movie Gallery from May of 1998 until May of 1999. Season 2, Episode 3. Rewind the Grind. What were your favorite and least favorite parts of the job? To be honest, it's really silly, but like when I was going around restocking, I would get a chance to see what was in stock and what we had, and like I would get to peruse all the movies and games and things like that. So, like, really, one of my favorite parts of the job was just kind of getting to browse the whole, the whole store and I would get you know I think it was five rentals a week so I would just be able to like kind of shop you know when I was at work and you know it was pretty easy people were just asking me hey how do I find this and I'd be like oh yeah happy to show you you know like it was just very fun and easy for me to like be interested in movies and games and things like that so it was not hard to like feign interest or like I never felt like I hated my job or anything like that. I just liked being in that environment. And when people were asking for help, it was genuinely interesting for me to go like, oh, yeah, no, like what movie are you looking for? Oh, how did you like it? Or, oh, was that movie total garbage? You know, like things like that was was really fun for me to like interact with people. on. My favorite thing was putting shit away because I like organization. And I, along with kind of me, Devin, and Sean, are all a bit OCD, spectrumish, where we like that. So we really, like everything had to be perfect in the store. You did not walk into World of Video and find a horror movie in the sci-fi section that was not alphabetically placed properly. I would just walk the store making it perfect so with Devin so with Sean we really took pride in that we all loved working there and I think that really did come down from Mitch Mitch was the best boss I've ever had he was like a kind of surrogate father to all of us and he really took pride in the store 
And he would remind us constantly, like, look, guys, you're not, you know, our members here expect the best. And we would give it to them. So keeping the store clean, processing the videos, I loved that. That was so fun to be able to open the box up each week and see, oh my God, holy crap, we got a copy of this. Oh my God. You know, um, talking to customers, just, you know, I loved it. That's all I did. I mean, a good majority of us would just start the day by going into the basement, smoking a fat joint together, smoking a bowl, going upstairs, talking to people. I mean, you know, it's Manhattan. We were all having fun. <laughs> it was just, I don't know, man. There wasn't much that I didn't like about working there. Cleaning the bathroom. My favorite part of the job was just getting to know the regular customers. Uh, some of them were people that I'd known. We were, Cary was not really a small town anymore, but it was a central location near a bunch of neighborhoods near the high school I went to. So I knew a lot of the people that came in and a lot of the other people that were regulars I would get to know. And that was the best part, being able to recommend movies and you know, being able to watch movies while you're at work. That was also pretty cool because I went from a job where you had to listen to country music while you were at work to a job where you could actually watch Star Wars when you were at work. The thing with our store, uh, they had laser discs at the time. This was, you know, 94, 93, 94. So they had a limited supply of laser discs. And that was usually the first choice that you would put on the TV in the store because odds were very good somebody wasn't going to come in because if you had a vhs and the, the thing and that was the only copy and a customer decided oh i want to rent that you, you have to pop the tape out and give it to them to rent all the in-store movies they had to be you know pg you couldn't air anything that uh you know would have had any objectionable content we had you know kids and families that came in so that limited so star wars was generally a safe bet um home alone got played a lot around the holidays especially when home alone 2 came out my favorite thing was helping people with finding movies. By far, that was that was it. Um, growing up, I always bought the blockbuster guide to the movies they would sell, which were these like paperback-sized books that were I don't know five six hundred pages. They were really thick, and they would have like almost every movie you could think of, and it would be referenced in the back by actor and I think even genre, maybe director. So it was kind of like the Internet Movie Database in a book. And so I would just study this and um, I would pick an actor like Arnold Schwarzenegger and I would go to the video store and rent everything I could possibly find in the filmography. So that really prepped me well for working in a video store because you get the randomest questions, you know, regarding actors and movies that people might have seen on TV six years ago. Of course, you know, mentioning the Kevin Smith thing, there was lots of people that walk in and go, hey, do you have that movie with that guy who was in that movie last year? You know, <laughs> And so it was almost like a, a puzzle to figure out what people were looking for sometime. And I really enjoyed helping connect people with those movies, you know, especially if it was something maybe lesser seen or like an independent film that I could recommend. One of my, my proudest moments as a 17-year-old was a, the movie Bounce that came out with Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow in it. And it didn't really make a big splash, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty decent flick. And this guy came in and he was looking for a chick flick that he wouldn't be upset with, that he actually could sit through. And so I'm like, well, there's this movie Bounce. It just came out. Nobody's renting it. I thought it was okay. Why don't you try that one? And uh, he comes in the next day with a big smile. He hands me the tape, and he's like, dude, what's your next recommendation? He's like, that movie got me laid last night, and it wasn't even bad. <laughs> and I was so proud of that moment. I was like, look at me. I'm 17-year-old. I'm, I'm making this guy to 30 so happy. He got laid last night off of my recommendation. I enjoyed the fact, okay, well, part of the deal was they had a dubbing station underneath the counter, and I would dub films while I was working there. It'd be like you know, unless it was a macrovision thing, because he didn't have a he didn't have a booster on his system. But I remember my favorite film I dubbed was Jello Wrestling. <laughs> was, I had a I had a laser disc of Mud Wrestling, but this was Jello Wrestling. It really existed. I don't know where my tape of it is now, but I dubbed it, and we would show it at parties and stuff because it was just that bizarre of a film. And I remember he had some anime. He had like Vampire D and stuff. Is it Vampire D? You know, but he had stuff like that. So I would dub things. And that was kind of cool. Um, the fact that, for the most part, it was rather quiet, 
because people, you know, it, it, we weren't too busy during the weekdays, which is why I only had one person working there for the most part. And so that was nice. I could just sit on a stool. Granted, when you'd show up, you had a, a set time from like, I, I want to say from 10 to 11 that you were supposed to call up and hassle the people who hadn't returned their tapes yet and remind them, you know, they had eight more days before we're going to charge their credit card uh, 99 bucks or whatever it was. Which wasn't bad, because I didn't care about doing harassing phone calls. Definitely, the fact that you could be surrounded by movies, and you could geek out with others, and learn all about you know, movies maybe that you hadn't learned about before, and talk about stuff with, with uh, customers who were also movie fans. That was really fun, and the fact that you could actually geek out, you could sort of recommend films. If someone brings up a tape to you, uh, yes, I did say tape, and they go, okay, yep, yeah, this is the kind of stuff I like, you go, well, you can actually sort of, you're encouraged to talk to them about similar titles as well. A lot like how Netflix and Hulu and all these things will say, okay, you're done with this film, here's some other films of the same ilk. Same kind of thing, but it was so much more human, so much more fun. You could just touch base with folks and go, hey, listen, you like Quentin Tarantino? This is this. This is why. And it was just a nice kind of kind of way of getting folks excited. And my company was uh, Holy Video at the time offered five day rentals, which was a huge deal for us back then because more often than not, growing up, the other th the other thing I remember about growing up is late fees, right? You know, my dad would bring me on a weekend. He worked a lot, but on weekends we'd go to the video store. And before we had to check out, they'd say, Sir, you have a lot of late fees on the account. And that was for, from my other family members who were racking up late fees, and he had to pay that before leaving. So what was funny about that is the fact that it was five-day rentals as well as a lot of our first bunch of customers were sort of rejects from other rental stores. They had sort of been banned, or they had sort of racked up too many late fees to, to revisit their other video stores. So the fact that Hollywood Video opened up in the area was like a clean slate for a lot of these people. So many of them fell into the same trap of late fees because we, we did have late fee as well. But when you have five days to watch something, you, you have less likelihood of being late on that. So that was a really kind of a cool thing to offer, you know, and we felt like that was a slight edge over the competition. We had five day rentals. Oh man, um, first off, access to hundreds, if not thousands of movies. Between our store, we had a great selection of stuff, but we also had the Princeton store which again wasn't too far away but if there was something that we were looking for somebody was looking for and we didn't have it in our system we could look it up in this printed manual that you know basically had their entire catalog like oh princeton has a racer head and we'd call down there hey do you guys have a racer head in yeah sure can you put it aside for so and so and the manager at that store like i think two or three times a week would do runs between the two stores and he would bring stuff up or you know um, if they needed something down there whether it was candy or some new release he'd bring it down there and vice versa so that there was a, a movie called silent scream that um again my parents had seen when they were dating and i'd been dying to see this movie and mom had told me about how it was about a woman that hides up in the attic and comes out and kills people and i was like this sounds insane and she was like yeah after we saw it in the theater well, um, mom and dad were dating at that time and she's like you know dad dropped me off at, at you know the apartment she was living in which was the apartment that i grew up in and she's like i had to immediately go up and check the attic to make sure nobody was up there and of course the doorway to the stairs to the attic was directly across from my bedroom so i was like oh that's terrifying <laughs> and, and so i i was like holy i was like whoa they have silent scream i need to get this movie and it blew me away when i finally saw it but other than that also special ordering stuff you know, we'd, we'd get all of the promo stuff of, of new stuff that was coming out. And, you know, whether there was a special edition of this movie or when DVD, when we started having DVDs, this special two-disc edition of such and such movie was like, whoa, we need to special order that. And I remember special ordering the, it's probably the first thing that I special ordered was the Rocky box set, which would have been the 25th anniversary edition which came out in 2001 and you know again i was i still have that set even though i've upgraded to blu-ray but <laughs> you know it's just sentimental value also you know watching movies while i'm working you know i would throw stuff on whether it was one of the rocky movies or one of the indiana jones movies or you know on a random friday night as i sort of was more tenured i put on night of the living dead and you know, granted, it probably wasn't the best movie to put on sometimes when there's a bunch of families standing there under the TV while, 
you know, the, the Karen Cooper zombie is killing Marilyn Eastman with the garden trowel, but what can you do, right? <laughs> Probably my favorite part of the job was actually when people would come in and ask me for recommendations. Or, you know, we would always get, because, you know, this isn't, the internet was a thing in 1998 and 99, but nothing like it is now. So, you know, of course, like IMDb didn't exist and that kind of stuff. So I would regularly get phone calls or people coming in saying, hey, there was this movie that came out that had Bruce Willis in it. And I think he was um, in the Coast Guard. And I was like, yeah, it has Sarah Jessica Parker and the name of it is. And, of course, now that I'm saying this, I cannot remember the name off the top of my head. But it was that type of stuff where it was like I had one of those encyclopedic brains when it came to this kind of stuff. And we quite literally, you know, that, that scene from Clerks where he's like, you know, people say, hey, you got that, that movie with that guy that, was in that, that, that came out last year. We would get phone calls and stuff like that. Where it was the most vague, like, you got to give me more than this, dude. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I actually really enjoyed, like, putting the, the, the videos out on the shelves and, and you know, and, and kind of, like, going through. And so I know it sounds odd, but I really enjoyed doing that and going through and straightening because it was, it was a twofold. One, it was, you're getting everything and making sure that people will find the movies that they want, but you also get to kind of, like, peruse yourself you know and say oh i want to check that movie out at some point or this or that you know uh probably my least favorite thing to do and i think it was everyone's least favorite thing to do was to return movies to the adult room because well the video boxes had pretty much everything on display and also the fact you just didn't know who you're going to run into back there sometimes <laughs> um believe me i could we, we could probably do a whole podcast just about the adult room <laughs> of the stuff that i had to deal with well the favorite thing i would like to do is just if i was just out on the like on the friday nights we would have somebody out on the floor helping people because it would be so busy and my favorite thing was just doing that job, just going out there, talking to people, saying, hey, do you need any help? You know, are you looking, what are you looking for? Anything particular? And, and did you have uh, a specialty? Like if people asked you about a certain genre or something that you were the go-to guy, people would call you over, hey, yeah, talk to William. Usually about horror, horror or uh, action. You know, they usually one of those two, but mostly horror. Well, I remember these teenagers came in and, uh, they asked me, what's the scariest movie that you have here? Now, I, I do that voice because I live like in a, I live in Jacksonville, and Ocean Way is kind of like the uh, redneck area. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, uh, well, uh, I, you know, being me, I'm more sophisticated. I know horror movies, you know. And I said, well, probably The Exorcist. And the girl goes, that's scary for my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, well, uh, maybe something like the Ginger Dead Man or something. <laughs> like, maybe that's more up your alley. Yeah. Oddly, I think Friday nights were a blast because the store was stocked pretty well. Because, you know, during the weekdays, it wasn't super popular or busy. And so, you know, all your copies of your, your main titles would be in stock, at least at 530 when people were coming out of work. And so there would be this buzz for about a two to three hour period from, say, 530 to, say, nine o'clock at night, where people are just going down the new release section and, you know, trying to get their pretty woman or their little mermaid or whatever it was. They were trying to get that quickly. But what was cool is that, you know, I would take the time. I usually didn't work the desk. And uh, I, I like to mingle with the customers. And so they'd say, hey, Pretty Woman's out. What should I get? Or Top Gun's out. So maybe you should try this Iron Eagle thing. So that's that, awesome. it was fun to suggest based on genre and similarities. Now, when you became a purchaser then, was that like a next level? Was there more enjoyment there or was that just business? It's both. I mean, I enjoyed watching the films, but I was also under intense scrutiny because oh i'm sorry know, what, can, can you just preface that with what a purchaser is can you explain like oh so i would meet regularly with the film studios and they would pitch their product uh hey this is paramount and we have pretty woman coming out and here's the price point it's retail 1999 um and uh, if i can remind listeners there were generally two price points it was the cheap one the 1999 or the really really expensive which was 90 bucks 
Now we didn't pay 90, we, it was usually, you know, 65 based on quantity or something like that. But was there the a difference was, between the two tapes? Like one was more durable or? Nope, nope, it was based on volume. Oh, okay. So Pretty Woman, they wanted to have sell through, meaning they wanted people to actually buy that at 19.99. And then obviously they would rent it like crazy. But um, the $90 one, you, you had to flip that a lot of times at three bucks a time. Um, so it would take, you know, at least 60 days to have a return on investment. But back then, those movies also had a long shelf life. One of the, the duties that no one, I think, liked doing at the store, it was called uh, Late Days, where we would print out a list of all of the movies that were more than a day or two overdue. And it had the phone number for the account and everything. And, you, you know, you'd have to go through the list and call people and tell them, you know, hey, remind them, you have this movie out. It's two days overdue. You know, we want you to try and get it back so the late fees don't mount up on you. And it was just, it was one of those just grueling things. It wasn't, you know, particularly garish, like mining coal or anything, but it was just tedious and no one really enjoyed doing it. So usually the newer people wound up doing it. I don't think anybody that you'd ask to work at a video store wouldn't say, organizing the children's section you know every night at the end of the night you know we, we would have people we'd work the wall you know which would just mean walking around the new release wall straightening up the movies seeing if there's anything really out of place and then we would divide up you know the different genres you know like oh tonight you've got action and comedy and it was the same thing you would just walk behind make sure the movies were lined up well and making sure there's nothing really you know really out of place the kids section was the exception to the rule because people would, of course, bring their kids in. They would grab a tape. They would go run and shove it somewhere else. They'd knock all the boxes over. The boxes would be sticky. And so every night, the kids section was a nightmare. And uh, luckily, I, I worked my way into management pretty quickly. So it, it became my job to assign that to people. But those <laughs> first few months, especially being the new guy, that was my job. And there were so many just random VHS tapes geared towards children that would be almost identical or, or it'd be like a informational or educational video series. And so they would there would be six of them, you know, one's about construction workers, one's about a marine biologist, you know, and the titles are just slightly different. So you're trying to make sure you got the right tape behind the right movie because if grandma comes in tomorrow with her grandson and he picks the wrong movie from behind the wrong box, she's going to come back and complain. <laughs> so it, it was one of those jobs that was... It was a necessary evil, but definitely not a fun part of the job. What did you think of the outfit? <laughs> With the yellow collar and the, the, the light blue and the, the the yellow sleeves, the yellow ringed sleeves. <laughs> um, I mean, it was what it was. It was a work uniform, and that's the thing to me. And this is another tangent. Growing up, I went to Catholic school, so I grew up going to school with a uniform. So the concept of going to work or school in uniform is not so bad to me. Like, it feels like, oh, this is my work clothes. I don't care what I look like. This is just my costume. This is my work costume. So it didn't really, like, I didn't feel super lame, you know, <laughs> like in the blockbuster outfit. It was kind of like, you know, this is my work costume. And I had to wear khakis. I had to wear uh, beige khakis with it, no jeans, no black pants. You know, it was it was strictly beige khakis. I don't think there was a shoe policy, but it was just, yeah, you had to wear that shirt. Um, and we got the little metal name tags, too, the little blockbuster name tags. I had mine for the longest time. I, I don't have it anymore, but I, I kept mine forever. Some stuff that I didn't like about it, though, is the fact that it was so close to where I went to school. And the idea that I was in this full kind of uh, costume, so to speak, this like usher's costume. Yes, all the staff was required to wear this, but when you're in school, you're you're very self-conscious. You want to, you know, you want to make a good impression, and you're meeting all these kids at school. Then they, they come into the video store and they see you, their classmate, dressed up like that. You know, instead of just wearing a name badge or something like that. That was always like a fear of mine. Like, oh no, and there's this kid from class. He's gonna think I'm a geek or a dork or whatever and at the time that was always like a little nerve-wracking later on they did shift down the policy and before they closed i remember people wearing just basically kind of a a blue button-down shirt with just slacks but yeah when i first started it was very intensive yet to wear all that outfit so yeah that was a fear yeah seeing seeing some of my classmates coming in i almost wanted to hide behind some tapes or oh let me put back some stuff and i'll do i'll do a return back to the shelf you know uh and i grab like 30 tapes just to hide my face and, and run off you know but yeah that was that was a little nerve-wracking back then you know one of the other things that was a little bit frustrating is that 
by the end of my time there, about a year later, year and a half later, it seemed like people were becoming more willing to do bad things in, in the neighborhood. So we had some robbery instances where people would come in and they'd steal things and the alarm would go off and we're not trained to you know, tackle them, take them down. And by the time we get any police in the area, they're long gone. You know what I mean? You're not, are you going to really fight someone over a videotape, you know? But one of the things that I remembered was we had, I think, about 20 kids come in all at once. And they were teenagers, and they all grabbed stuff, and they left as a group. And there was nothing we could really do to stop them. We knew what was happening. We were, we were trying to, say, get out of the store. And they grabbed things. And even though the alarm was going off, um, they just they just took, took a bunch of stuff and headed out. So who knows how much they stole that day. But, you know, after a while, it started... That started killing the fun of being there. The fact that it was like, okay, you know, what if next time they come in, it might be a little bit more dangerous or something. So that was something at the time I was like, you know what, this is really kind of not becoming a good place to work. So that was frustrating at the time. So that was one of the things I did not like about the job. You know, I, I love the customers. There was a lot of great customers that we had so many wonderful people that would come in. And I mean, one guy would come in. And I guess this is sort of dovetailing from the favorite stuff too. One guy would come in and he would just brighten your day. You know, you'd be like, hey, how are you? He's like, splendid, and you? And he was just the sweetest dude. But then on the flip side, you'd have some weird people or just awful people that would want to, first off, they'd want to argue about late fees. I mean, literally a dollar or two. And it's just like, really? Really? You're going you're gonna to do that? One guy in particular came in, he looked like, and this was early when I started there, he looked like Mr. Buzzcut from Beavis and Butthead, you know, the, the, the gym teacher. And this dude was huge, and he, and he had like the marine sort of jarhead haircut. And he had some late fees, and my boss, Terry, pointed it out to him. And apparently he wasn't too happy, and he asked him to step outside onto the back um, <laughs> the, the back kind of <laughs> stoop of the, the back door and I'm standing there and it's a busy night I'm standing there looking out the window at him as this dude is like towering over him in his face like yelling at him and I had the phone in my hand ready to call the cops if, if I needed to if he was going to hit him and poor Terry he came back in and, and he was like I need to take a break and he just disappeared for you know 20 or 30 minutes or whatever to kind of collect himself but you know people like that were just it's like dude you kept the tape for how long you know just come on it, it, it you know your your late fee here is two three four dollars five dollars whatever it is just pay up the other thing we had an adult section and the adult stuff was you know it wasn't like the uh the old days where they would have like a clever porno riff title you know like something like um, saving Ryan's private, something stupid like that, right? <laughs> I mean, the adult stuff that we were getting was just straight up. It tells you what it what it's all about, and the cover shows everything. And you know, I'm no prude, but it just got old after a while. It was like, okay, you know, when we would get the stuff in, and then you'd have the people that would go in. They would come in one side and basically beeline through the entire store and um, carefully go like literally the entire perimeter of the store, and then casually stroll back into the back area where we had the saloon doors for the adult section and i was like dude we know where you're going just go you know we don't care we're not judging you it's you know and then they'd come back out with their tapes and throw them on the counter or their dvds and it's like oh okay cool every tuesday morning every tuesday morning one of the first thing we had you had to do was you would come in and the computer would have printed out a copy of movies that were more than three days late and so you had to call. You know, it would it would print out. It would have the title, and it would have the uh, the person's name and their phone number, and when it was due back, you know, type stuff. And so, you know, it's one of those things. You know, we opened at like ten o'clock in the morning. So usually, you know, this is a Tuesday. Most people are at work, so you're getting a lot of answering machines. Um, that became fun uh, sometimes, and sometimes it didn't. And uh, of course, you always had people who wanted to argue about late fees, and that was never fun. But, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff. And then whenever I moved into management, I really, really hated going over all of the, the daily reports. Uh, that was something that – because it was one of those things that, you know, as a manager, I had to go in and look at all of them. And it wasn't just, you know, looking at the, the report of, like, what was rented, if it was returned on time, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was also 
okay, go through all of the the receipts that are here, you know, for the credit card machine. Make and even though the person who closed was supposed to go through and make sure all this was correct, you had to go back and double check to make sure they all added up correctly. And you had to go through and, and see if there were any uh, if there was any damaged stuff. You know, it, it was just a, it was a bunch. Of, it was all management stuff. You know, yeah, I mean, it, that, it wasn't yeah, that it's... bad. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it really was. But those reports were the ones that I really hated more than anything, and I was really bad about letting them like. I would have like two weeks of them sitting there, <laughs> you know. Whenever I was like, oh, "All right, I got to, I got to go do this," and yeah, you know, I, I, I would tell some whoever was working, I was like, "Just watch the front. I'm gonna be in the office if you need anything." You know, I'd go in there and cuss and you know, <laughs> and like mark on them and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so that that was the stuff I didn't really like. I really especially hated customers coming in who had late fees and they wanted to argue that they didn't. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things like, hey, uh, believe me, I, you didn't turn that in, and I held on to this for another day and then scanned it in. You were standing there when I scanned it in. Uh, we would have these promotions like, I don't know, but quarterly or something, where basically they would have these little coupons where you're basically – what you would do is that you were paying for like 10 rentals. And so and it was like every time you come in and rent, you know, we'd pull one of the coupons off, you know, type of stuff. And it was for a much lower rate. Because, you know, like our gallery rentals were like 99 cents for like five days or something like that. But our new releases were, I think they were like 2.99 for two days. And the, the, the two days was another thing because you would only get it for one day unless you paid like an extra 50 cents or something to get it for a second day. Well, people were constantly, you know, getting that messed up, you know, with the, oh, is this, is, is, and you'd be like, okay, these movies are due back on Friday, but these are, are due back, like, on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so there was a lot of mix up there. So we would sell these things. Oh, and then also the adult videos, because this is getting to the adult videos. The adult videos were four ninety nine a piece, a piece, okay, for a two-day rental. <laughs> which nobody ever kept on two days uh, but it was <laughs> it was one of those things where like with these coupons you were basically getting everything for like a dollar 99 I'm not the 99 cent rentals but like new releases and um, the adult videos both it would be like a dollar 99 each the way that it, that it all came out to so it was a really good deal you know as far as is uh, as that stuff so that became a bane because every store had um, a certain amount they they had to sell, you know, during this promotion, and they really like came down on that stuff. Like, if you don't meet your quota, then you know somebody's going to be fired, type stuff, you know. Uh, and that was something I really hated because people automatically, whenever you say, "Hey, let me tell you about this deal we've got going," they're immediately like, "I don't, I don't care," you know. And then you and then you kind of have to start explaining. I think it was Sunday mornings that were the worst because people from Friday night would be returning their films, you know, late on Saturday night or maybe overnight. And so you can imagine what the bin looked like in the morning. It would, you know, all of them would be cascading down and very full. And it would just take, you know, a couple hours just to check everything in. And then of course, you know, the whole be kind rewind thing. A lot of people didn't rewind their tapes. So you'd have to do that. And we generally didn't ding our customers for that, even though we threatened that, you know, they'd have to be charged 50 cents or a dollar. What were the perks of being a video store employee? There was some swag, like posters and things like that. And sometimes there would be um, standees, like the cardboard, things like that, like that, you know, we would just throw away anyway. So sometimes you could take those. But yeah, like, this is so silly to admit. I was really into Yu-Gi-Oh cards at the time, <laughs> and we had, you know, there was a discount on virtually everything in the store, you know, like candy and, you know, the, the playing cards and, like, you know, buying used and new movies and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, I bought a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards at the time using my discount, you know, like, I remember it not being such a bad discount. I can't remember what it was. But I remember it not being so bad. Like I, I remember buying quite a few things. One thing, like I like I got my dad the Band of Brothers DVD box set at a pretty good discount. You know, like if, if you remember that series. But yeah, like honestly, I liked being there. It was really just like like the perk was being able to work there. You know, it was kind of like I got to finally be in an environment where I felt like I knew what I was talking about. You know, like I, I liked movies, I liked video games. It was easy for me to to become an expert on. Yeah. Now, uh, with that, I do have to ask: Were there still any VHS tapes 
when you were working there? Because you're talking about DVDs. Were there any like lingering videos that were just sitting on the shelves or in the, the previously viewed bin that still hadn't been sold? Because what year was this again? 2003. And yes, 100% there were. And uh, there were definitely VHS left. And especially there was actually some titles that were only on VHS that hadn't made their way over to DVD just yet. So there were a few of those left. And then also, I know this is kind of tangential, but I very shortly after working at Blockbuster, I worked at GameStop. And there were still NES games in the bin. So... Yeah, like, there were, st- like, even as late, you know, uh, quote-unquote, as 2003, we still had VHS and NES games <laughs> floating around in the stores. Like, it wasn't, we hadn't really gotten rid of all the uh, antiquated uh, technology just yet. Being able to work and interact with people who were masters in a craft that I was trying to master. I didn't care. When Gandolfini, all these people come in, I wasn't like, oh, Quentin Tarantino signed my thing. No, I was like, bro, that shot in Kill Bill, like, we would talk about movies. We would talk about how you made them. We would talk about the philosophy behind them. We would talk about the history behind them. So the greatest aspect of working at World of Video was access, knowledge, um, art, you know? inspiration that was the most inspiring job i ever had besides being a stay-at-home dad which is equally inspiring but that was what excited me i am not i guess i'm gonna curse again i'm not a star i really don't care if somebody is famous or anything like that i want to know about their craft if they got there because it was their talent and their hard work. I wanted to talk to them about that. I wanted to learn from them. I was not interested in fawning over anyone. And plus, like I said, you know, that would be embarrassing. We never asked anyone for their autograph or anything like that or like, or, you know, how was it working with that person? No, we would talk to them about movies. We felt as though in some respects, we were their equal. We were peddling their art for them, you know? And we were kind of part of the whole deal. So, yeah, it was just, it was a great experience. I loved it. You got free rentals if it was not a new release. If it was a new release, the employees, we would pay 50 cents. But the the really neat thing was if it was night before the movie was supposed to come out, you could take it home and watch it for free, but you had to have the tape back before the store opened the next morning. Just as far as having uh, credibility with uh, fellow movie fans in town, were you pretty popular that way? A little bit. Like when uh, people showed up and if a tape was rented out, we generally didn't have a we'll hold it. We didn't have a waiting list policy at our store. But if it was somebody that I knew, then I would try and say, you know, if one comes in, I'll give you a call. If I knew they lived nearby and they were going to be here shortly, this was around the time a few good men had come out and was really popular. And I, I remember one of my friend's moms had been looking for it. And so I, I told her, like, you know, the next one that comes in, I'll hold it and give you a call. And sure enough, she got her copy that night. The perks were great. You know, we got free rentals. Uh, the only restriction on our rentals were we could only have two movies out at a time and new releases. We could not rent them on the weekends, the first two weeks they're out. You know, that way that enough copies were made available for the paying customers. Makes sense. Very fair assessment and uh, other deal. Um, we also got screener copies. Uh, I remember Dracula 2000 coming in and the others and Liberty Stand Still. And so those movies would come out maybe a month or two before they were actually released on VHS or DVD. And we were able to rent those for free and take them home and watch them. And the only, the only downfall is several times throughout the movie, there'd be font going across the screen that this is a screener copy do not copy this tape and posters were, were also free game we also got uh, buttons and standees even uh, after we, we didn't do a lot of standees but we would get them when we started selling dvds 
So for like, say, Harry Potter, they would give us a standee to build and we'd put, you know, DVDs and a few VHS tapes for people to buy from. And of course, we'd, have, we'd be hounded by customers wanting them. Rarely do we ever let the customers have them because usually one of the staff member had already written their name on the back or, or wanted to take it home. He was pretty tight with the stuff. He ran, it was, it was okay, the, the Video Plaza, I sent you a picture of the box, but it was, when I worked there, it was like three stores, three or four stores. And so I don't know where he hit all the stuff that he would get. But occasionally we'd have, you know, posters go up. But I really, in my, you know, I look through the collection and most of the posters I have, I took from other stores that were giving them away. We were pretty tight on that stuff. And I'm not sure if he gave it to a more, you know, he would use that stuff at a better store of the three, you know, because I said there were, there were three or four stores. We never got things like the inflatable stuff, the cool stuff like that. I'd go over to Video Rama. And they would actually give it out as prizes. Some of the cool gimmicky stuff that That's the, cool, the yeah. would send. It, it was like, why aren't we getting this stuff so I can steal it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the frustrating part, I'll, I'll tell you what the most horrifying part is and why I hate Steven Spielberg. When, when they started doing sell-through videotapes for like, what are they, like 25 bucks or something? And he told us the only thing we could play in the store until he told us not to was the live-action Flintstones. Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, it just kept... And, and, and the thing was, okay, he had a deal. When, when Snow White came out, he just wanted us to keep playing that over and over again. But it was like in a little TV in the kids' section area. And I was like, whatever, I can deal with that, you know? But, oh, my God, that live-action... It was, it was like, you know, when they when they show how they torture people in, in prisons... <laughs> Live action Flintstones. I Steven Spielberg, Steven Spiel Rock, had become my enemy at that point. I just so despised that man because he made an instrument of torture, and it just and I and I I love John Goodman, but you know I just uh and so yeah, two weeks of that playing over and over again. So officially, I guess if you figure it out, I've seen that film a hundred times or something. I mean it's insane, but he he had us do that and. I remember one time, because he kept teasing me with, he was going to make me the, um, he, he was going to take over the North American video. This was his dream. He was going to take over the North American video in Cameron Village Mall in Raleigh, which is like a big mall near NC State. That was what he kept teasing me with, except North American video was not going out of business anytime soon. I, you know, and I knew this because I had friends who worked there and were like, we're not, we aren't giving up that. But he would, I remember one time I had to go help out at a different store they were doing some setup or something with the, they're putting a new cabinet. I think it was new cabinets we had to move in, you know, for the shelving. And I remember he tells me, because we we're going to run late, and he says, he goes, well, Joe, no matter what you had to do today, you can do that tomorrow. You need to do this today for me. And I'm like, you're paying me five bucks an hour, dude. Come on. <laughs> there were perks there. Obviously, you can get, I think there were free movie rentals, at least one night rentals. Sometimes you got access to screeners. You know, they send the screeners and you, you could watch a movie before it was really had a wider release to, so you can recommend stuff. So that was a really cool thing. You sort of felt like you were an exclusive club at the time. You know, they send you the tapes and you could watch it and tell folks about it, whether you liked it or not. Uh, interestingly enough, since like going back to one of the early uh, hires at the location, they didn't have the system in place to give us our member numbers because they all gave us like a member number, right? So the first like 10, 15 employees, they just gave us our member number with our name on it. So asterisk, Brian, asterisk, you know, Adam, Chad, that kind of thing. So after I, I left the job, they were still open for several years before closing down, but I'd visit them during college and stuff like that. And they'd say, sir, give me your member card. And they never gave me a member card because I never needed it. You know, I was always an employee. So I would say, well, just look me up by asterisk and say my name. And they'd always laugh. Go, what? That, that is so strange. I'm like, yep. And, and in a way, I kind of felt like I was like a, like a cool guy. You know, like, yeah, you know, I don't need a member number. Just name my, just my name. So that was something that was kind of somewhat of a perk. But yeah, uh, just, you know, that just jogged my memory of that for sure. I mean, we, we didn't. The only standee that I remember coming in was for Star Wars Episode One when it came out on DVD. And DVD was still early, you know, in, in those in those days, and we didn't really have too much room. I mean, we would get like some of the Disney ones, and we would actually just kind of chop them up and hang them in the kids section or tape them up on the wall in the kids section. But in terms of posters, yeah, I mean, we would get posters, and we'd have um, we would walk into the store. There'd be this long sort of hallway from the front door, 
and the hallway was created with um, you know the the wall to your left and then to the right was sort of uh, like a, a faux wall made out of the the sort of cage that the, the shelves would go on the, or the racks on the other side and so it was kind of dark but it was still cool because we would have the entire wall lined with with poster sleeves hanging from the wall and we could change those out as we would get new ones in and obviously any of the horror ones or some of the you know current action ones i would put my name on the back and pretty much any horror ones that would come in everybody like bob gets them i'm like all right cool and i still have a bunch of those laying around in my closet downstairs because <laughs> i was just like i'm going to do something with these or i'm going to sell these and you know i never did never really hung any of them up just kept them um but also we got free rentals and i distinctly remember my very first free rental which was the first or second day that i worked there was the kentucky fried movie and i had heard about it and it was one of those movies i was like man i got to check this out and i finally did and you know it blew me away and we would also have free access to the new releases when those would come out and you know at the time i was going to the movies a lot so i didn't really need to see a lot of the stuff when it came out on, on video or dvd but it was always good to you know check it out if there were some kind of special features i would you know take the dvd home over the weekend and most of the time i wouldn't even watch it it would just kind of sit you know by my keys and <laughs> i would never even check it out but that was one of the other perks was that we got to take anything home whenever we wanted um, whether it was old stuff too we would just have to you know punch into our account and check it out at no cost and you know of course there would be late fees too if if uh we didn't bring them back in time, especially the new releases. But some of us knew how to go in and delete the late fees. But <laughs> obviously, being able to rent anything that came in the store. Uh, also, the, the biggest thing was that, of course, yeah, you probably I know from listening to season one, you know, people talk about the screeners that you would get. You know, usually within like like if a movie came out in like, in like June, usually by August we had a screener of it. Now the thing is with the screeners, they would come in and like they would be and they would be the regular movie, and then all of a sudden they'd go black and white, and there'd be this little thing that runs across the bottom of it that would say, you know, like, oh, if you if you've purchased or rented this movie, you know, call this number, and you know, not for not for rental or resale or whatever, you know, like blah 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 blah. That was great. Also, the fact all the video games that we had there because those were available as well, and this is in the era of like you know the PlayStation and the N64, and and we still had like. Sega Genesis and NES games oh. and, and, and SNES games and all that stuff and and so it was kind of cool to have like all of this available you know because uh, I had kind of at that point I had kind of stopped at, at the Sega Genesis so there were still some games that like I wanted to play that we had that I could take home and then I wound up you know actually like renting the the PlayStation from them one night and took a couple of games home and then I wound up buying one shortly after that so. It wound up costing me money in the long run. So. Now, now uh, you said when you were younger, you loved seeing the posters in the video stores. Oh, did you yeah, ever get promotional yeah. stuff you got to take home? We did. We would get posters periodically, not as much as we had. Like, because you know, like, I had, like I said, that store before I started working there had been around for, you know, 15 years or so. And, and they used to, you know, when they, when they would. Uh, get finished with the posters they would, they would have them over for sale you know and stuff or e or even just give them away sometimes like i had a uh night on elm street 4 poster in my room for years that i got from them that i just asked about it. i was like hey can i have that you know what are you gonna do? ask me what are you gonna do they're like yeah what's your name and number and then they wrote it on the back of it and then whenever they took it down they gave me a call and so i wound up with that one for free i wish i still had that poster because it's worth a lot of money now yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah we would get that kind of stuff but we really didn't i mean we kind of had it was funny because kind of like a lot of video stores there was promotional stuff that was up in the store that had been there for like 10 years or more you know i think everybody had that who's harry crumb like where he's where it's like the, <laughs> the you know what i'm talking cups, about yeah. the suction cups yeah every yeah. i think every video store like that was a you have to have this up in your store somewhere <laughs> the only thing that i wound up taking from there that was promotional <laughs> again this dates uh was when um there's something about mary came out on video we had one of those cardboard stand-ups of like the cover, you know, it's um, uh, Cameron Diaz, you know, she's in that pink that pink dress, I think it is, or whatever, or a pink shirt and, and clam diggers. I can't remember. I know she's wearing pink something, and you know, she's laughing, kind of bent over. But the full poster that you would mainly, most people didn't see, had the um, the dog that was in the full body cast, you know, <laughs> right next to it. Well, this this uh, stand-up had both of them, and the dog's tail wagged. 
Like it had a little like battery in it, you know, kind of stuff. And that was one of those things that it stayed in the it stayed there for like six months or so. And like we were gonna throw it out. I was like, ah, I think I'll take it home. And it wound up staying at my house for like years after that until I finally just kind of <laughs> got rid of it one day. But it was it was in the corner of like you know my upstairs. For I, I'm not I'm joking when I say it was probably there sub six seven years. Well, we didn't really have swag. Like I was thinking about that, like posters. Like we didn't get like a lot of that stuff. Like the independent stores got like movie posters and stuff. We never got anything like that. But um, the biggest thing, obviously, we would get five rentals a week for free. Uh, we would get the movies usually like two weeks in advance before they were released. So, and we could rent them. So that was the the biggest you know perk was you know the five movies a week. You know? <laughs> And uh, we would have like a 20% discount on like, you know, the used movies and stuff. So like if we were having a deal, like sometimes they would have like four DVDs for $20, the used. And, uh, you know, you get 20% off, you know, so. So I'm almost embarrassed to say because I got some perks that others didn't, but I tried to spread the perks around. So for example, when I was buying radio slots, I mean, the radio stations would hand me free tickets to you know, a local concert or something like that. Uh, I had promoters that called me frequently. And back then, you know, Ticketmaster was not an app, nor was it a, I think you had to go to a counter somewhere to buy you know, tickets via Ticketmaster. Yeah, I remember going I, out to a music store and you just had to wait in I line. I rarely yeah. had to stand in line. I paid for the tickets, but <laughs> like I would go to, um, you know, Auburn Hills in Detroit or Joe Louis Arena. And I would see these shows where I got really primo tickets and I didn't have to stand in line. It was awesome. That is really cool, man. Yeah. Um, I'm actually curious too, if you know about this, cause we just did an interview this week where we learned about the gold membership. We actually interviewed somebody who as a customer before he worked there, he rented so often he got a gold membership, which meant he could like reserve tapes and things like that. Like, were you aware of that program? I was aware, but that came later on. Oh, okay. cause I thought people would pay a premium to be able to call in or reserve in advance. Because they would pay a dollar or two more per title oh, interesting. to have that privilege. But okay. we weren't doing that. It was first come, first serve. What were some of the mundane tasks you had to perform? Checking movies in when you know, you're know you typing in an eight-digit number for each tape. That got to be pretty uh, grindy. And then, you know, it was we moved to a larger location. The store, when I started working there, it was in a strip mall, and it was about four of the the different locations in the strip mall all put together and then he was still doing really well and was expanding and then at the end of the strip we were in there had been an ace hardware store that had moved out and so the owner wound up getting that location and so we you know we for a few weeks worked to get the new location ready and then the night they were making the big change they had a, a deal where you could rent like five movies for three days for a, a ridiculously low price just so you know they would be out of the shop so that would be less for us to have to move and uh some of those nights checking in a lot of tapes because everybody would try and get them in before seven o'clock because that's when the late fee kicked over but every now and then we would do a thing called the time travel discount if somebody was was just a few minutes past when the computer was going to mark it as late we would reboot the computer the register was on and in those days you would set the time as it started up and so we would input the time for like an hour earlier and so when we checked the the tape in the computer thought it was still an hour earlier so they wouldn't get charged with a late fee probably the only really mundane stuff was like the end of the night the closing uh down like cash register stuff that you which you know is probably the same as it is in all retail like once we actually locked the doors at midnight hopefully we had already counted down all the registers but the one we had left open but when i was a manager it would be my job to take those doors to the back you know count them make sure they match up make a deposit for the next day to be taken to the bank and then one of the more interesting aspects uh, switching out the security tape we actually had uh 60 vhs tapes on a wall that were dated 1 through 31, or 1 through 31 to 31. And those tapes were what we would alternate into the VCR that was that acted as our security camera. Uh, so every day we had to put a new tape in, and then we would just tape over what whatever we taped two months ago. So that part of the job was 
just kind of generic and, and boring, I guess. But it wasn't really bad. Like, there really wasn't a terrible part of working at Blockbuster, at least in my eye. Putting stuff back on the shelf, of course, uh, you know, rewinding. We had little rewind machines, though, I gotta say. All it did, its one task was just to rewind tapes because people never rewind, you know, as as my video store contemporaries could attest to, a lot of people never rewound. So that was always something we had to do. And the frustrating part of giving out tapes, we wanted to have them rewound before we gave them to another customer. And that would just delay the time people bring up a tape. Oh, someone didn't check the tapes last time, so they're not rewound. So that would always, you know, I consider that a mundane thing. And uh, we also learned how to shrink wrap uh, previously viewed tapes and DVDs, that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, use the shrink wrap machine. I mean, that was somewhat mundane, but I sort of liked that. Checking in tapes was the worst, but I also thought inventory was brutal. Sometimes you had to do it on 1231 or something close to that. So after the store is closed on New Year's Eve, you have to take inventory, obviously for IRS purposes, because you have to know what you have in the store. And then reconciling was a pain in the bum because you know, you show all these tapes that aren't in your system and you're like, okay, are they stolen? Are they gone? Are they missing in action? Where are they? And so going on those rabbit trails was no fun. What didn't you anticipate about the job? You know, it, a, a lot of the cleaning tasks, although it wasn't as extensive, uh, it was mostly just, you know, vacuuming and things like that. We didn't have to like deep clean or anything like that. I didn't like having to clean the toilets every now and again. That was not <laughs> fun. Never is, I don't think, for anyone. And then I guess also just uh, learning at, at a young age what closing meant and how much time you kind of had to sacrifice, you know, to be like in that position of a closer. You know, it's like that's your whole night and then you turn into a natural insomniac because suddenly <laughs> you need to make, make time for yourself. You know, I don't... There was nothing because unfortunately I lived the fantasy that everyone wishes. And I realized that and I'm thankful for it. I worked at a video store where I could talk to the people making the stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, this was, I mean, that's everyone's dream. Your dream is to be able to work at a video store where you're actually interacting with people making movies and making TV and making art. And I mean, like, Gosh, having like Andre Gregory come in and talk to, hey, my God, what? I, I remember one day I'm sitting there and I don't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, all of a sudden I look over and I'm like, dude, is that Andre Gregory? My dinner with Andre? And he's like, oh yeah, him and Wallace Shawn, they're both members here. This was like when I first started working there. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what? The, are you kidding me? And I was like, first of all, you know what my dinner with Andre is? You know what I'm saying? Like, this was a little bit earlier in time, you know? I mean, it's coming on, I guess I haven't worked there for 13 to 14 years now. Well, maybe he was just a big Waiting for Guffman fan, and that was his <laughs> point of reference for my dinner with Andre, those action figures. Exactly, oh my God, when I saw that, that, that was totally, I was like, this movie's for me. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, it was just, I didn't expect for it to be so awesome. I'll put it that way. I didn't know what I walked into that day. And if I had known, I would have walked in there as soon as I got out of college. I would have went to work at World of Video immediately. I don't know if it was there then, but there was nothing bad. I continued to work there even when I didn't need to. I just wanted to be around the store. I kept going back to the store. They had to tell me to stop renting. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it. One thing that the owner's wife tried to do, and they, they owned it as partners, but at one point the owner's wife wanted to open a cappuccino bar in the video store. Because this was after they had moved to the larger Old Ace Hardware location, so they had plenty of room, but this was before the Starbucks craze had taken over in America. And so all of us at the, that worked at the store had to learn how to work this cappuccino machine. and. Uh, I was not very good at it. So anyone that works at Starbucks, your job is safe from me. <laughs> so I never thought as a video store clerk, I'd be trying to make cappuccino for people. I think the, the kind of the most surprising part of the job was just how much joy you actually did bring to people on most days. Nobody really went to rent a video to be in a bad mood. 
I mean, you always had your occasional grumpy people like you do everything else in life. But when people show up on a Friday night or even on a Tuesday night to rent a movie, you're most likely renting the movie either to go home and have a good time, be stressed, relax in the world, or they're renting it to watch their friends or their loved one. And that's just something people were excited about. So I think that same excitement I had as a kid where I would be browsing the aisles and checking the back of 20 or 30 movie boxes and trying to come to my big decision, everybody else had that same feeling too. And so it really was shocking how much joy I really felt like I brought to the people for the most part while working. I guess as much fun as working at the video store can be, you know, obviously there can be a lot of frustrations, you know, you know, when you have to tell people that they can't leave until they pay a late fee or something like that, trying to deal with folks with certain questions. You know, that I didn't, I guess, didn't anticipate because it was my first job. You know, learning customer service as I went was definitely an interesting thing. And some people were a little belligerent and frustrated, you know, about X, Y, and Z. But, you know, most people were, were pretty great to deal with. And I think they understood the vibe we were going for. So for a while, it was really fun. But yeah, so I guess some things I didn't anticipate were some of the frustrations that customers had. Um, but what can you do? You need to sort of enforce the company policy and, and try to make it happen, you know? You know, I guess one of the things that always stuck out to me was rotating the candy stock because we had a huge candy stock right at the front of the counter. And it was something that I guess maybe it didn't, it seems mundane now, but you know, I remember from working at the movie theater of rotating the candy and stuff and we would get stuff in and we'd have to put the, the newest stuff towards the back and the oldest stuff towards the front. So that stuff would sort of cycle out. And of course we would eat some of it while we were behind the counter anyway. But also the big thing that I didn't anticipate was widescreen versus full screen. When DVD started to come out and people would be like, hey, I've got, you know, this movie here is, is faulty. It's got black bars at the top and bottom in the screen. The picture is real small. And trying to explain full screen versus widescreen to people. Some people just didn't want to listen. And it got to the point where it was almost like I was kind of insulting them to their face by saying, you know, you're only seeing half the picture. You're getting you're getting cheated by doing that. And just you didn't you wouldn't think that something like that would be such a big deal. Also, just the late fee stuff again, you know, having to bring it up to somebody and be like, hey, man, you've got, you know, 20 something dollars in late fees on your account. Um, do you want to pay that? And of course, it's like, no, you know, or well, I'll get it next time. But then um, the owner of the store, if he happened to be there, Kevin, he was great too. He's still a, a really good friend. He'd be like, "No, you you, you got to tell him. You got to pay it." You know, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm confident, but I'm not that confident that I can say, "Give me money." You know. I'll tell you the the thing that I didn't anticipate that was very specific to this store was the fact of having, like I said, having the, the district and regional offices right below us, and them being able to. Um, walk into the store at any time literally like ascend the stairs up into the store which movie gallery headquarters was in dothan alabama which is like six hours from where i live and um, I, i'm just outside of nashville and so it's one of those things that anytime a vp would come through they came straight through my store because they were going to the you know so that meant that you know i would usually usually get a um, a heads up like the day before from my district manager saying, hey, somebody's coming in, make sure the store looks good, you know, this and that. Didn't always work out that way. And so, you know, there was a one time that I was already in management at this time, like actually running the store, and I was goofing off doing something one day, and I turned around, and one of the VPs is standing there. And I was like, hey, you know, because it's one of those things, it's like I didn't recognize him, you know, by face or anything, but the fact that he was wearing – a movie gallery polo with it you know and i was like oh no you know <laughs> and like he didn't say much you know he was kind of he was all right but the problem is, is that like later on they came back up with my district manager and we were in the process of redoing the adult room like kind of cycling some old stuff out and putting some new stuff in and and all that kind of stuff so it was kind of still in shambles a little bit like people could still rent their smut if they wanted it but it was kind of a we might not have had the full variety that they were used to and i remember like him like this vp really kind of grilling me about how long is it going to be before this is done you know type stuff and 
because by the time that happened, I was really kind of over all all of of movie galleries BS. And so it was one of those things that I knew that I wasn't going to be there much longer. And so I kind of snapped back because it was one of those things our hour, like our uh, the, the number of hours for you know employees had been cut. And I was just like, hey, you know what? If you would just give me some more hours, I could get this done by tomorrow, you know. And he kind of like that look on his face, like I can't believe you just said that, you know. It's like, <laughs> but it's also one of those things. Like normally, I wouldn't have done something like that, especially like that. I would have gone to my district manager and said something rather than saying something to him. But it was just kind of one of those. I'm over this as it is. Mostly, like if it was really busy and you're trying to help a customer and the phone starts ringing. The customer would say, uh, do you have this in stock, you know? And I'm like, well, hang on, I gotta, you know, we're very busy right now. I have to uh, help a customer, I'll put you on hold, and then I'm helping the customer. And then the phone rings again, I gotta pick it up, and somebody says, hey, you know, are you looking for it? I'm like, hang on, that's why I have two calls on hold at this point. <laughs> and, uh, and what was the fastest way to check? Were you able to pull it up in the computer, or did you physically have to have somebody go walk over to the shelf and look? We would have like a computer system and I could type in the movie and um, if it only said like we had one copy, I would go out there and look because sometimes, you know, we wouldn't have it. You know, it's like the computer system's messed up, you know, or something. We made an error, like the movie says it's there, but we don't have it. So, yeah, if it had like one or two copies, I would actually go out there and check and make sure that it's on the shelf. Well, if I can share an epic fail for your listeners. Having been raised on movies and and watched movies all through college, even some that were campy and some that were, you know, had folklore to it. I remember when Rocky Horror Picture Show came out on video and I thought, this thing has a chance of succeeding, right? Because, you know, it only gets shown at the midnight movies in select markets. And, you know, that's, I know it's an experience, like you dress up and you have the popcorn and and the, and the newspaper and the water and all these other things that are part of the whole shtick. But I thought, well, people will want to rent this, right? And so I bought way too many of them and we ate our shorts with that one. Uh, <laughs> and that was one of those $90 movies. And we learned within the first two weeks, like this thing is not going to gain any leverage, not going to get any snowball effect. We just have to unleash it to the secondary market. So. We cut our losses, and the owners were very gracious to me about that. Here's a preview of the next episode coming up on Rental Return Season 2. What were some of your craziest customer interactions? He'd always rent porn, and he would sort of like talk to the girls that work there and I looked at them as like a sister so I was like dude what are you doing and he would come up to them and you know kind of like raise his eyebrows like hey hey you know and talk about what new training films do you have in and it's like dude you're gross you know what, what are you doing the customers that were a little crazy were the art house types so these are the ones that would go to the foreign section and they would say you know do you have chocolate or do you <laughs> I can't even name these films. Then they'd look down their nose and say, well, how could you not have this French film with you know English subtitles? And I said, well, it doesn't really rent that well. <laughs> Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. Connect with our season two video heroes on social media by finding the links in today's show notes. Also follow TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to see pictures of our video heroes in action back in the day. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your experience for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with Adam Pope on Twitter at HojuKulander or email him at HojuKulander at gmail.com. Links also provided in today's show notes. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to share your membership with a friend or family member. Discover more retro podcasts by visiting theretronetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.